Hello, welcome to the Countryside Voices podcast with CPRE, the Countryside Charity. I'm Jamie Wyver. In this episode, we'll be talking about experiences in rural communities during lockdown and how these might help regenerate the countryside in the future. I'm joined today by our new chair, Simon Murray, and farmer Donya Donga from Leicestershire. And we're going to be looking at how we might revitalise and regenerate the countryside going forward. Donya, over to you first in, in Leicestershire. Tell us a little bit about your farm, because you've got a, a long and interesting history there. It's a, it's a family farm going back generations, isn't it? Yeah, so we're technically the fifth generation to um, farm on, from this farm base. And um, we are a tenant's farm from the Be- Beaver Castle in the Vale of Beaver. Um, and we farm about 1,500 acres arable. And then we also run a small livery yard as well. And um, we employ four, employ, sorry, four full-time staff and two uh, seasonal workers in the summer. But we've sort of diversified in recent years when I sort of left my job to have kids, didn't really want to go back. So um, I started looking at what we could make from the farm and we started pressing our own cold pressed rapeseed oil, making honey, uh, blackberry vinegar and briquettes from the leftover matter of pressing the rapeseed oil. And we've also gone on to Christmas hampers and things like that. Um, so we're, we're a little family of three kids and uh, my father-in-law and my husband were here most days uh, making the farm work and making ends meet hopefully. That's a, an amazing array of um, things you've diversified into. Has lockdown been particularly difficult keeping all of those going, balancing all those plates? It, it's been a bit tricky. Um, I mean when the kids were sent home from school it was right as swarm season was beginning for me and I'm a swarm coordinator for um, Grantham and surrounding area. So the kids are great. I mean, I had them through the summer, but they're seven, five and two. So the seven and five year old aren't too bad, but the two year old's quite hard to manage when you need to uh, be working as well. So we managed, we um, we had homeschooling lessons, which included how to make up frames for, for uh, hives and uh, Various other ones like putting on labels on honey jars was quite an amusing lesson. Um, but yeah, we, we, we've, we've managed. It's been tricky. And certainly after the winter we've had on the arable side of this, this it's uh, been tricky to try and get all the crops in the ground in time. It's been very, very wet here and we've got mainly clay based land. So we managed in the first two weeks of lockdown, my husband was working pretty much 12 hours days trying to get all the crops drilled for uh, spring. And uh, I was working till 10 at night after the kids were in bed, just trying to get all my other jobs done. I instantly lost probably about half of my shops that stopped my oil anyway, because uh, they were closed down their coffee shops and um, garden centres and things like that. And the shops that were still open, the butchers and things like that, they were doing you know, twice the business that they were before. So we suddenly had business loss, but we've got gained business in other areas. It's been it's been stressful. It's been, you know, trying to make ends meet, trying to make sure the kids are getting a little bit of homeschooling if we can, but um, more or less just keeping everybody happy. But the community that we're in, we're in a small hamlet of just less than 100 houses and uh, we all pull together and it's been amazing, to be honest. It's been hard to get to the shops and things, but one of my neighbours took on a bread delivery from Bloomsbury Bakery. And um, I took on a milk order from a local farmer who pasteurises their own milk. So I've been collecting that and bringing it back. So it saved a lot of people going out and about. And we also do um, our own eggs in an honesty box at the end of a drive. 
Um, so really, yeah, it's, it's been it's been hard work, but we've made ends meet uh, as best we can, really. And hopefully the kids, they're still happy at home and it's just like a really long summer break for them, I think. <laughs> it, it sounds like there's a really good um, community spirit where you are. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment, because I think that's been one of the strengths that's emerged in a, in a lot of areas um, that I've heard about anecdotally during lockdown. I'm going to turn to Simon now, who's um, in Gloucestershire, and I'd be interested to know, Simon, a little bit more about, about you and your, your sort of vision for CPRE and how this ties into um, this future that we're, we're kind of hoping for for countryside communities. So I, I'm guessing that you've been in Gloucestershire a while, Simon. Is, is your favourite part of, of the countryside in, in Gloucestershire? Is it, is it local to you? Um, well, it sounds a bit of a cop-out if I say that it isn't necessarily the favourite. Uh, I've been lucky and lived in various parts of the country. In some ways, that's lucky. And because I work for the National Trust, I've travelled all over the country. And everywhere you go, there is beauty. You know, I live, I've lived in Cambridgeshire, which people don't think of as a great beauty spot, but the big skies are wonderful. You know, my work, places like South Downs, you know, they're, they're just brilliant. I suppose if I had to choose, I would say, though, that I have a love of sort of the intimate rolling countryside of England with hedges and woods and small villages rather than the grand landscapes of the Lake District and the Peak District. So that'd be my my thing. So Gloucestershire is pretty good. Now you've um, joined CPRE in a way as, as chair of National CPRE at a, at a critical and very interesting time, but you've been involved in CPRE locally for a little while. What have you seen at a local group level that's particularly inspired you? I think that uh, what's happening through, you know, the the dreadful impact of COVID-19 on us is that it has brought uh, communities together. And as Donya was saying, people are helping each other out in the countryside in a way, well, it's always been there, but it's kind of made it more the centre of people's lives. So I think for me, having a thriving countryside into the future is has got to be about engaging everybody in the importance of saving the countryside, whether you live in a city or in a town, or whether you live like Donya and I do out in the countryside. So absolutely, it's about access for, for people from the towns and cities. It's also about, you know, a thriving countryside in itself, which means that communities that do work, it means that farming that supplies local markets rather than long supply chains to supermarkets, those sorts of things. Um, so I think we have a real opportunity at this moment to set forward some ideas about what a thriving countryside could look like, what a green recovery could look like. And that involves things as diverse as, you know, planning. You know, it's it's a not a particularly exciting subject, but actually where we choose to build houses is absolutely crucial, because if you build them miles away from anywhere, there's going to be lots more car transport. People are going to have to drive to their work. So we need people, you know, building houses near where they live and where they work um, so that that is reduced. Um, we need to respond, as Donya is absolutely doing, to this idea of local by local. Let, let's buy local food, short supply chains, so that people can get a diversity of food from their local markets. And let's make transport better. Let's make, you know, uh, public transport better so that we don't always have to rely 
um, on uh, on car transport. All these things are part of a mix that produces for me the idea of a thriving countryside into the future. And how do you see um, CPRE's role in that? So where does CPRE fit into the, I suppose, the environment sector and all the other sort of partner organisations, the nature charities, the farming organisations? How, how do we fit in there and how, what's our role in this? I think the one thing that CPRE brings to the table that nobody else does is that we look at the countryside in the round. So we are not, say, just a green charity. We are, but we're not just that. We're not just batting for nature's recovery. Uh, we're not, say, just batting for farming um, or for planning. We, we're trying to look at what a holistic view of the countryside um, could look like. So I think that what, what CPRE's role going forward for me is about, A, articulating what that thriving countryside can look like, and then convening conversations with other influential groups and bodies, you know, and in farming, it might be with the NFU and the Country Landers Association, be with the Wildlife Trusts and RSPB and the nature space and so on. Convening those conversations and getting people interested and supporting this new idea of what the countryside, it's not a new idea, that's the wrong way to put it, but it is about engaging people in what the future could be like, and it could be better than what it's currently seen as. So as a convener for this whole picture would be my view. So let's have a look at some of the things that, some of the elements that we want to pull together for this this, this future that we, we would all like to see in the countryside. Donia, if I can come back to you, Talking about the examples of communities pulling together during lockdown, you you mentioned that you took on some some sort of delivery work for people that perhaps can get out to do their shopping. Have you seen any other examples where you are of, of people sort of chipping in and, and joining to support each other? Um, yeah, I think so. There's there's been quite a lot of it. I mean, we have a lot of Facebook groups for the small villages around here, um, and there's been a, certainly a influx in activity on those as people are checking out on other people and asking and I mean it's really gone back to that sort of basic needs of kind of borrow a cup of sugar almost yeah. there's people we've not been able to get hold of flour out here we've been shortage of milk in the first few weeks people were just panic buying which was ridiculous and that's what sort of spurred me on to think well maybe we ought to just go straight to the producer I mean our sort of ethos at Peacock Farm is sort of low food miles just get stuff as close as you can look what there is around you and try and eat seasonally if we can it's so much better for the environment as a whole. So we we started the egg delivery and the milk and, and yogurts and my neighbour started the bread and then there was people um, delivering flour. They were going buying flour wholesale and divvying it up. And one of the other things that I noticed the villagers putting up as is, I mean, a lot of the elderly can't get out of their home at all. So we got a lot of the kids at home were writing notes to the elderly. Um, I mean, in our village, we had a game of street bingo where everyone sat at the bottom of the drive and played bingo. It's quite amusing. Um, but it is really sort of that community spirit. And I think it's brought a lot of people out in the village that we never met before. They've sort of kept to themselves. And even though we're in the East Midlands, we have got quite a few commuters to London, which we never knew about. And obviously, they've not been able to commute anymore. And they've been working from home. And I'm hopeful that that will be a long term change. Um, I think people realise that they are productive at home and they're burning less fossil fuels travelling everywhere. I'm hoping that will be a, a, a long thing that does change. And speaking to a few of these people, I think it will be. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's really changed the way everyone works. And I think it's all for the better at the moment. People shopping locally, helping local people. 
and um, working together really. And do you think that a lot of these things will continue? Do you think there's a good chance? I hope so. Um, I mean, we started this milk and yogurt and a lot of people have asked if we'll continue after lockdown, um, which has spurred us on really to have a look at opening our own little farm shop, which is something we'd always thought about, but uh, I think it's pushed it forward a bit more. People don't really want to go to the big supermarkets all the time. Um, and our biggest supermarkets are, well, 20 minutes, half an hour drive away. And we've only got sort of co-ops on our doorstep. So if we can buy it locally, I think people will do. So I hope so. Yeah, I really do hope so. So it, it's it's a wonderful thought, actually, that people have rediscovered the, the farm shop on their doorstep and are now, are now going to stick with it. It would be really good if that continued. Simon, you've got, um, I think you had a very good food example, didn't you, of um, that something that's happened during lockdown? Uh, yeah, I mean, same sorts of things as Donya is finding is that, but one, we had a particular one called The Long Table, which is a group of people in actually in Stroud, who are in kitchens, commercial kitchens, producing free food, free meals for those in need during the lockdown. And when it was at its most acute, they moved in and took over, I think it was six kitchens and were producing thousands of meals for people um, who were in need. And that was absolutely the power of just local people getting up and doing stuff, not waiting for the government to put in place, you know, this or that measure. And, and similarly, things like we've got a local food hub that we've used for a while that was verging on not being viable. But the but the lockdown has meant that more people have turned to the food hub to supply local and seasonal food for them in, because they couldn't get out to the supermarket. I really hope but I, you know, I, but I'm a kind of it is just a hope that people stick with it. I think the convenience of supermarkets is something where you can get everything and you can get out of season stuff that is very difficult for local farm markets, farm shops, food hubs to compete against. But we've really got to push that because the quality of the food is so often better because it's, you know, because it's absolutely uh, fresh. And then there are all the other things that are happening locally there's i live on the edge of the forest of dean and there's a forest voluntary action forum which has been acting as the hub for making services you know getting services to the right people whether it's meals or picking up prescriptions or whatever it might or whatever it might be and you know my father who's 90 he doesn't live particularly close to me but his you know his neighbors are picking up his newspaper every morning checking on him and those sort of things so it has really brought out the best in local community spirit so we've got to do everything we can i think to uh, see this carry on into the into the future and another aspect uh, that's become pretty clear of the countryside during lockdown is the um, ability to boost our mood make us feel healthy make us feel well and people in lockdown have been absolutely desperate to get out into green spaces and get their little sort of dose of nature Donia, have you um, had any moments during lockdown where you've you've realised there's a sort of regenerative aspect to, to being in the countryside? And, and obviously you're there all the time, but are there moments when you go out and think, yes, you know, I, I needed this five minutes standing in, in a green space? Um, I don't think there's ever been a moment. I think I've always known it. Um, living in the countryside all my life, I love where I live. I went to university in a town and uh, it was, well, a city, sorry. But I didn't like it. I couldn't stand it. If you went for a walk, you were surrounded by shops. And I ended up moving home and commuting in the end. 
and certainly during lockdown we've had an influx of walkers cyclists and as i say we own a small livery yard and although we had to bring in some new rules to social distancing on the yard i didn't want to stop them from riding i thought if anything is going to keep us going through this it's being able to get out in the open and do what we enjoy and the amount of walkers we have a lot of rambler societies around here as well and they were carrying on their walks and at social distancing and i think i think it's so good for people to get out in the countryside and enjoy what we've got around us and i think it's so much better for the kids as well i think they can learn so much from being outside just talking through what they're seeing and actually doing things rather than sitting looking at a screen all day do you think there's a possibility um linking to what we were talking about earlier about diversification do you think there are opportunities here for, for farm businesses and other countryside businesses to kind of tap into this now certainly yeah i mean this is something we've started looking into it's always been we've just sort of taken over the um tenancy from my husband's father and uh, we want to sort of take the next level in the farm and try and diversify further so as we're looking into a farm shop we'd like to look into um, school visits we were planning to do our first open farm sunday this year from leaf um, but as we all know that got cancelled in june i'm really really keen on the education aspect and uh, we are looking into currently getting kids out because as much as people want to enjoy the countryside they need to know how to enjoy the countryside properly even if it's basic things like where you can and can't walk and what you're looking at you know you can walk through a field and a lot of kids won't know whether it's wheat or barley or carrots or whatever and I think this is something we need to um, sort of push and get people to learn more about. I think that's very true and I think there is um, there is an element of you need the countryside and, and the countryside needs you. you you treat the countryside well the countryside can treat you well back so we we benefit both ways really. Simon um, for you the health aspect I, I don't know whether you've sort of grown up in the countryside as well and, and whether it's always been with you or, or whether you've had a moment where you've thought you know what this this actually is, is benefiting me this is benefiting my health making me feel good. Yeah I mean I have lived virtually all my life in the countryside uh, and I'm aware constantly and always was aware of that regenerative capacity of the countryside you know if I when I was working I've only just retired uh, you come back from an office or for th stressful days traveling or whatever it might be and you step out into the countryside and immediately it wraps you around and heals you I always found that what I found during the Covid epidemic is we've stopped doing a lot of things there's been kind of more time we've uh, personally I have stopped and looked around me more and therefore it's felt like nature is more ebullient than it's ever been i don't suppose it is at all but i think i've just taken more time to stop and and feel that and i think there's a message there for me and there may be for others about stopping taking time looking around you looking at the small things rather than rushing off to the next entertainment because in those small things we can find such such joy i, I think I think that's 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 a wonderful thought. Re just just really taking the time to notice can have a can make a huge difference. I think mm. so. We've looked at two um, elements of lockdown, two things that we've focused on a little bit, which is the regenerative power of the countryside and its effect on on our health and how we feel, and also how communities are pulled together. And that's 
given us a lot of inspiration, I think, for what we want to see going forward, how we want our relationship with the countryside to be. Donya, what do you think is needed next to help revitalise farming and the countryside in general? What would really benefit you and your community? Um, I think um, supermarkets and local shops supporting local business more. Um, a lot of them are importing goods from miles away other countries when somebody makes it on their doorstep, which to me just seems ludicrous. But then on the flip side of that, people need to know what they're buying and the cost of what they're buying. It's sort of education, as I previously mentioned, about how foods are produced, food security and low food miles. So we we aren't allowed to use, for example, we aren't allowed to use um, neonic treated oilseed rape here in the UK, yet we're allowed to import the neonic treated grown rapeseed from places like Ukraine, which seems a bit sort of wrong to me. We, we're saying that we're not allowed to use it in this country because it will upset the bees and the environment, yet we're allowed to destroy somebody else's um, environment and country just to get a cheaper product into this. It's, it's just a bit backwards in my mind. We've got the highest farming standards in the world. And whilst I agree, if we need to ban something, we need to ban something. But let's stick to our morals and let's not import these things either. I think moving forward, it's it's got to just be about education and uh, getting people to understand how they can help their local farmers and how they can help their local environment, really. At the minute, I think while some businesses will have struggled through the COVID epidemic, a lot of smaller business will have thrived because people have realised what is there on their doorstep. So it's support. It's support for farmers to diversify and uh, to take on new challenges. And it's something that I think has been lacking in the past. It's, it's not easy to get hold of grants and things like that, but it is coming to the forefront of people's minds. And hopefully things are making a change for the better. Thank you very much, Donia. Simon, what's top of your agenda for revitalising farming in the countryside? For me, there are, there are two aspects to this. The first is we absolutely do need to look to government to put in place frameworks that support good farming and farming that can be viable supplying good food to local markets. So the replacement of the common agricultural policy going forward, which is called the um, Environmental Land Management System, ELMS, absolutely, to my mind, has to has to support the, the sort of farming we want to see. And as Donya said, it's imperative that any trade deals that are struck do not undermine our own food production uh, by bringing in cheap imports produced at much lower environmental standards. Displacing environmental problems to somebody else's country is not in behaving environmentally. Even back, if back home is an improvement, it certainly in global terms doesn't work. So that's the sort of looking outwards towards government and what government should do. Locally, I think there's much again, and what Donya was saying, it's about establishing local markets, about farmers um, being able to diversify farm shops and things like that. I think there is absolutely about farmers thinking about customers more, thinking about not what, what we need, other people to do, but how can we fit our operation so that we're meeting their needs? And one of the, I was on a webinar last week with a group of Gloucestershire farmers, uh, and they were saying how members of their family with social media skills were 
um, all helping them in a way to to get their their products out there. But one of the things they noticed was that when they had because two of them ran farm shops, that coming to pick up the food from the farm was part of the experience of that shopping. So they began to make the experience of actually visiting the farm part of the attraction. So you bring the kids and they can go and have a look at some animals or whatever it might be. So that you're thinking about how can we turn the actual, just the basic process of coming to buy some food into something that's entertaining, exciting and educational and those sorts of things. So I think it's about, it works both ways. It's what the government can do to support farmers and support us, but also how can farmers get the skill set to become more self-sufficient, more customer focused, to take otherwise, it won't be possible to take on the supermarkets in the way that we would very much like to see. Thank you both very much. That was incredibly interesting. Lots of really good ideas there. You can find out more about Donya's farm at peacockfarm-muston.com. And if you head over to the CPRE website, cpre.org.uk, you can read Regenerate Our Countryside, Regenerate Ourselves, a manifesto for a resilient countryside after coronavirus. Stay up to date with us on Twitter at CPRE. Look for CPRE, the countryside charity on Facebook and search for CPRE on Instagram. Thank you very much for listening.